while you're on your feet, would you just allow your neighbor to hear you enunciate these words and just tell them if you mean it, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, how many really meant that? Did you mean that? Oh my. How good our God is. If you'd bow your head with us, Father, we bless you right now and we thank you again for your mercies and for your boundless grace that has brought us together another time into these environs. Your word speaks of how amiable are your gates. And we're happy, Lord, that you have allowed us to gather and enter the gates that lead into this sanctuary. We thank you for this privilege to have already worshipped you. And Lord, we pray that you're pleased with our worship. And even now, Lord, as we ponder your word, we pray that you would lead us, guide us, use the tongue of this frail vessel as the pen of a ready writer, and quicken the ears, Lord, both of the waiting congregation and those of the speaker, that all of us will hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, Lord, uh, we ask that you would be our healer today. Any ailments in the room, Lord, you can heal them now. Your word said, uh, Lord, that you sent your word and you healed them. By your stripes we're healed. And so, Lord, we claim all manners of healing in our body, in our mind, in our soul, and in our spirit. Send us away better than when we came, but above all, get the glory. And we thank you right now. In Jesus' name, let's say amen for the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today, and we certainly again greet you in that wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we thank God again for this privilege of being to aspire. This is my first time, uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, not only visiting this, these lovely grounds and this beautiful campus, but uh, being among such beautiful people as yourselves. And I certainly, certainly count myself privileged. I'm very uh, humbled and very honored to stand here uh, in this place, on this platform, behind this sacred desk at this time. I said in the earlier service that uh, great ministries are not accidental. They are intentional with God. And when God works his intention, God uh, decided that he would use human agency. And that human agency has to be available to be used of him. And I don't think I have to tell Aspire how blessed you are that God chose Bishop Richard Heard to be the set man and vessel to use in this house. Your, your pastor is an inspiration all around uh, the world. He is coming in and out of our uh, organization I currently, that I currently serve as the leader. Blessed us on uh, multiple occasions. He's coming to our local church. Blessed us on multiple occasions. He's a fount of wisdom. Um, he really has a, a ministry of apostolic proportion. And I just wanted him to know we love him and respect him and salute him on today. 
I would be remiss. I didn't get to meet her earlier, but I was blessed to meet her uh, just prior to this service. And she's so much prettier than your pastor. And so we salute his lovely wife, your leading lady. Thank God for her today. Just a pleasure and delight to meet her. I'm not going to be here long uh, this morning. We want to be in comportment with your time constraints. Uh, again, I'm so grateful for the warm welcome I received this morning from not only your uh, your lead and senior pastor, but from the pastoral staff, uh, from uh, Pastor Hurd, and, and the Millers were so nice to pick me up this morning, and I don't think that I'll trouble uh, this second service uh, and share with you the adventure that I had in my ride to church this morning. Uh, Pastor Miller has a heavy foot. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, if I wasn't prayed up this morning, amen. Uh, I got my prayer in on that ride. <laughs> but we appreciate him and his lovely wife for their kindness. And I'm having a little fun at his expense. <laughs> Amen. But has anybody rode with him? He, he does ride fast. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 8 today. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter 8. There's one verse I'd like to read in your hearing just briefly today. Luke 8 and uh, verse 50. It reads on this wise. It says, but when Jesus heard it. <clears throat> He answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word, for we are the hearers and by faith the doers on today. I'll just read that again. It says, But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. I want to use just for a thought today um, some very simple words and that is don't give up too soon. Don't give up too soon. It seems this uh, morning that I've been spading the ground of faith. This morning I referenced Abraham, the father of our faith in the Old Testament. And uh, at this second service, I'm called again to a passage of scripture where like Abraham and Sarah and Hagar had what I would call a crisis of faith. This too in Luke chapter 8 represents a crisis of faith. I have often said that faith is not faith until it has been tried. Because it's one thing to talk it, but it's another thing to live it. And indeed, it's at a whole nother stratum to experience it. I've always looked with riveting interest at uh, this eighth chapter, the Lucan Gospel. 
because I think it is uh, one of the, the most glorious chapters uh, in the Gospels and in the New Testament. It's action-packed. And wouldn't you expect action, I suppose, whenever, whenever Jesus is around? The life uh, that is connected to Christ is one of adventure. I've often sometimes uh, queried back in my own imagination and have wondered what it would have been like to be there with Jesus when he was here in uh, housed in an earthen vessel and walking the face of this earth. What must it have been like to have seen him do all the things to carry forth all the exploits that we read about in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke and in John? I look at this eighth chapter as sort of an encapsulation of some of the components and aspects of Jesus' ministry and many of the things that he did while uh, he was here in his earthly sojourn. The chapter opens up, interestingly enough, engages uh, uh, the work of women in ministry. And it tells us how pivotal certain women were when you read it at the outset of this chapter. Luke takes uh, uh, the, the painstaking uh, note that these women were here and they were connected with Christ. And it talks about them uh, at a level that we don't always take note of. It says certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, notes her, out of whom went seven devils. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. And Susanna and many others. The Bible painstakingly makes all of these notes, letting us know who was associated with Jesus in ministry. Some of these women were, were women of means. I suspect Joanna in particular, the wife of Chusa, who was Herod Stewart. And Herod Stewart, that meant uh, that he had charge of the household of the king. And uh, that meant, uh, obviously, you, you, you don't put a poor man over money. You always put somebody over money that already has a little money. <laughs> and the Bible says, the Bible says that these women, they ministered unto Christ. And I love how the scripture terms it. They ministered unto him of their substance. Sometimes we take our substance and we stratify that. From the work of the Lord. Indeed, there, there's a spirit that uh, is in the world itself that looks at the church uh, uh, and, and makes a dichotomy between ministry in the church and the financing of the church. But the Bible here uh, poignantly points out that part of ministry comes from substance. They took what they had and they undergirded the work of Jesus. They put money in ministry. And sometimes when you mention ministry, people sort of freeze up, they ice up. But money and ministry are part and parcel. These women stood tall because they financed his ministry. There are other interesting notes that, uh, uh, that we pick up as we traverse through Luke chapter 8. We get that beautiful parable of the sowing the seed and and that's a whole message perhaps a sermon series a bible study series by itself and i won't befuddle you with that today 
other than to celebrate the fact that I'm grateful that when God's word came to me, it found a place of fertility. Aren't you glad for the word of the Lord? That word that is life-changing, that word that is uh, transformative. David said it on this wise, thy word have I hid where? In my heart that I might not sin against thee. There are too many people today who live without the word, but I thank God for the word. The word that, that is not just uh, black lettering on white pages, but for that word that lives, that living word, that word of, of which Jesus himself said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. I celebrate the word of God. That word that the Hebrew writer talked about and said, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. How sharp is it? It's so sharp until it can divide asunder the soul from the spirit. Do you know what that means? That means uh, uh, that God is the best surgeon. His surgical skills, amen, exceed the, the best doctoral and surgical skills of the best physician at the best hospital in all of Houston. Because when they cut, they can only cut the body. Oh, oh, they're skilled. They can go in and they can suture veins and blood vessels and operate on the brain. But God said, uh, my word can cut deeper than that. Not only can I fix your body, he says, I can see what the surgeon can't see. I can see what his microscope and, and the best magnifying instrument cannot illuminate. God says, I can see beyond the flesh. And I know where the soul in and the spirit begins. And I'm so skillful, I can get in between it all and send a word and fix it all at the same time. What a mighty and awesome God we serve. This, this chapter, it, 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 it's so rich to me. It's, it's so rich. It's, it's, it's relational. It's relational. And, and, and it helps us understand uh, what it means to come into the kingdom, the nexus of the kingdom. You know, Jesus' ministry is picking up by now. And, and uh, 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 the, the Bible says that he, he, his mother and his brethren, earthly mother and brethren, by way of the flesh, they came to, to see him. And, and uh, he gave a strange response uh, because his family really had the most difficult time as you study elsewhere in scripture in accepting his ministry some of you uh, experienced that even on a personal level they they struggle sometime with that God component that's going forth in your life and Jesus responds he answered and said unto them my mother and my brethren are those which hear the word of God and and he was undergirding a principle for us and helping us to understand that that when we become a part of the church, it's more than just joining an organization. He actually roots us in an organism and he makes us relational. Can I get a witness? We're not, we're not just fellas on the street, 
Don't let the devil ever uh, impress upon your mind that, that, that you're, these other uh, individuals that congregate with you in the house of the Lord or that affiliate with you uh, here at Aspire are, are, are just some faceless bodies drifting around hither and thither. No, everyone who the Lord has placed in the body, we are brothers and sisters. How many, how many will thank God for their spiritual family? It's a blessing, isn't it? Red, yellow, black, or white. That's what we used to sing when, when I was coming up uh, in the church. And I'm a pew baby. And, and we were taught the, uh, this principle of, of familial connection when we were a child. And, and we used to sing that song, Jesus died for all the children. Anybody remember that song? All the children in the world, red or yellow, black or white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus died for us all. And so I celebrate his love this morning. And let me just tell everybody, uh, let me tell everybody, uh, 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 you can't love God and not love your brother. You can't love God and not love your sister. Matter of fact, be a little demanding today and let your brothers and sisters around you hear you say, you have to love me. You As difficult as I am, you have to love me. Oh, now, 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 then the, the, the scripture rushes us on. It, it's interesting how the Lord paints this picture, and you all forgive me. I'm just a, a preacher. I kind of like to, to enjoy the journey and pick the lilies along the pathway. And this eighth chapter is, is just one that's so rich and so full and so sweet. And, and, and you get down to that 22nd verse, and I'm not going to be alone. The Bible says, now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, all of this is in the Lucan narrative, is leading up to our text and, and what happens. It's all situational here. And he says, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And, and what I love about it, one word I used at the early service, it, it was obedience. I love how Jesus' disciples obeyed him, even when it didn't make sense. True disciples obey even when it doesn't make sense. You remember another time when, 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 when Peter and his cohorts were out in the water and they were fishing and, 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 and Jesus, you recall, told them to cast that net out again. And they said, Lord, do you know how long we've been here and how long we've been fiddling around and nothing has happened? But, but what I love, even amid their protestations, they opened up their mouth and said, nevertheless, at thy word. You must move to that place where whatever God says, even if it doesn't make sense, I'll do it. Even if there's no logic behind it, if God says it, I'll do it. Some of us have got to go to that next level. That's why I enjoyed uh, what Bishop Heard enjoined us to do today. There, there's some places it's true that you only get through prayer and fasting. You can only do so much for God with book knowledge. You can only do so much for God with logic. Prayer and fasting takes you to that next level. Amen. Where sometimes you just know when you don't know. I wish I was talking to the right church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has God ever woke you up? <coughs> you went to bed at night in confusion and you woke up the next morning 
and God had provided you the answer. It wasn't logical. It didn't make sense. But when you put it into practice, God works it out. There's something, something about walking with God in faith. They launch forth, the Bible says, and, 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 and sometime when you launch forth with the Lord, it looks like you might get in a little temporary trouble. That's what happened here in this text. Bible says that uh, as they sailed, he fell asleep. As they sailed, he got quiet. As they sailed, he went down uh, uh, in the stern of the ship. And the Bible says there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water. That is, the boat began to take on water and, and they were actually in jeopardy from an earthly perspective and, and they got a little attitude with him. You know, we obeyed you and got in the boat. Don't sit here and act like you ain't never got a little attitude with the Lord. Amen. You know, people that love the Lord get attitude sometime. And if you don't believe it, go back and read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is an attitudious book. Full of people copping tubes with the Lord. You know, I tried to do the right thing, but look like nothing but wrong is going on around me. Jesus said, launch forth. They did what he said. They were expecting smooth sailing. But guess what? When he went asleep, the Bible says that there, uh, uh, there arose, what? A storm of wind on the lake. And, and the, the boat began to take on water. And they uh, began to get fearful. And, and you know what happened. They, they got that attitude and said, Master, Master, we perish. Another text records it on this wise. And they said, Carest thou not that we perish. How in the world can you sleep at a time like this? How in the world can God go silent when I'm in the midst of a storm and the most hellish situation in my life? Haven't you ever been in a place where you wanted God to speak and he wasn't speaking? I need you to make some sense out of this. I need you to show yourself. I, I need to feel your presence. And But the Bible says he was sleeping and they chided him. And then guess what happened? He arose and, and uh, then he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. I love the way the King James text says it. And they ceased. One scripture says, and immediately there was a great calm. You know, I love the fact that there's an immediate um, an aspect of immediacy to the word of the Lord. He, when he wants to fix it, he can fix it like that. When he wants to shake it out, I'm talking to the wrong group. I, I, I need somebody that knows what I'm talking about. Who's ever had an immediate fix from the Lord? Who's ever, who's ever had the Lord give them an immediate peace? I didn't have no peace and then out of nowhere came peace. That's because God sent the word of peace. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waters and he said, peace be still. See, the elements had gotten out of order. The elements had forgotten who was on board the ship. It wasn't just another man that was lying down there. It was the God man. And he got up and reminded the elements of who I am. Matter of fact, he said, I am that I am. I'm the one that made the lightning. I'm the one that called the wind forth. I'm the one that got up on the morning of nothing and said, let there be peace, be still. Shut up. 
Bible says the lightning quit flickering, the thunder quit roaring, the wind stopped blowing, the waves laid down. We used to sing a song where I come from said blessed quietness, holy quietness, what assurance in my soul or the stormy sea. Jesus speaks to me and the billows cease to roll. He rebuked the elements, but guess what? Then he turned around and rebuked the disciples. Wait a minute, how are you going to rebuke me when you're the one that told me to sell into this storm? Jesus rebuked them and said, oh, ye are of little faith. You should have understood that it was impossible for the boat to sink while I was on board the boat. You should have knew that. While you were billowing and crying, while you were whimpering and scampering, while you were pulling back in cowardice, you should have known that you can't sink when I'm riding with you. Let your neighbor here say it. I want you, I want you to say it in rapid succession real quick. Let your neighbor here say, you can't go down, you can't go down, you can't go down. Now that word is for somebody. I don't know if I have any takers, but you can't go down. I don't know who's in troubled waters, but you can't go down. I don't know who the wind is beating on today, but the Lord told me to tell you, you can't go down. I have an assignment for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a task for you. And that task is on the other side of the lake. We get to the other side. I've got to do this in about seven minutes. Can I have seven minutes this morning? They got to get to the other side of the lake. And on the other side, we begin to see the purpose of God (laughs) unfolding. You got to get through this so you can see the manifestation of his purpose. And once they made it to the other side, they, 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 they run into this gentleman from Gadara. And, and, and you know, the, the, the man had issues. That's what we call it. He really had demons. <laughs> Can I talk? Don't let the modern day psychologist fool you. Demons are still real. They're genuine mental conditions. I understand those chemical imbalances. I understand those and, and their medicinal practices that can fix those. But there are some spirits that only Jesus can fix. There are some things that only Jesus can work out. And that's why all of us need the Holy Spirit so we can discern if this is a pill fix or a Jesus fix. I'm always reminded, I'm always reminded, I come up in that generation when we, when we love Clark Kent and we always loved it, you know, when things got real bad and he ran into that, that phone booth so he could save Lois Lane. But as he went into the phone booth, uh, the voice bellowed out and said, this is a job for Superman. Honey, you got to know when this is a job for God. And so the Bible says... The Bible says he encounters this man in Gadara and the demons even know who he is. 
They acknowledge his personage. And Jesus, he doesn't uh, uh, fool with them too long. He asks them, what's your name? And they respond and say legion because many devils, the Bible says, were entered into the, to, to the man. And you know what happened. Jesus dispels uh, the demons and they jump into a herd of swine. It always interests me when those demons get in the swine. The swine run off the side of the cliff and drown themselves in the sea. I don't know why people would spend another night with the devil when pigs don't want to live with it. The pigs say, we'd rather die than live with the devil. You follow that text. Tension is building in this chapter. And all of this was laid out. Luke did this on intentionality, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because once this is done, uh, there, there is just mesmeric interest in the ministry of Jesus. People are, are, are following him and people are interested in him. And that's where we're introduced into uh, the man who is subject place in this little brief message today. His name is Jairus. And Jairus, as you know, is a ruler uh, of the, of the uh, synagogue in Capernaum. He, he's a man of respect. He's really a, a man that you least would expect to come to Jesus. But the circumstance and the situation drives him uh, into the presence of Jesus. Verse 41, we're almost to verse 50. It says, there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that, that he would come into his house. You know the rest of the story. He had only one daughter and you know how we feel about those one child those only childs especially baby girl she was about 12 years of age and and the bible says she lay a dying Jairus went to Jesus and and, and said Lord I need you to come to my house uh, I'm not going to worry about appearance I'm not going to worry about being criticized by my fellow Jews it don't matter who don't believe on you uh, uh, nobody can fix this but you and I need a visitation from you at my house and so now you see the tension building in the text the bible says at the end of verse 42 but as he went the people thronged him in other words as he was headed down to Jairus's house everybody now we're gonna see what he does now oh, oh we've witnessed him we've watched him we've heard his mighty teaching praise God about the sower and the seed we we have watched praise God how others have taken their resources and they poured it into his ministry we have observed even how he postures himself with his natural family and we know uh, that he's a trustworthy master because he sees his disciples as his family we watched him go out into the water and calm the elements and indeed we asked the question rhetorically what manner of man is this that, that even the wind and the sea obey his voice we watched him go into the graveyard where a man who was demonically possessed running around naked among the tombs we watched Jesus get into his life and send him home clothed and in his right mind I wonder can he fix this situation 
I wonder, can he heal this little girl? And everybody said, we're going to hang around, amen, and see what else he can do. Matter of fact, I suspect that's why some of you came to church this morning. Because you say, I'm going to go back out and see what else God can do. He's got a track record in my life. Maybe I'm talking to the wrong church. Does anybody in this room have a history with God? Who in this room has a background with God? Who in this room can open up their mouth and point behind themselves and say, look where he brought me from. I'm not leaving. I'm going to hang around and see what else he could do. I know what you are trying to do, devil. I know what you conjured up between last Sunday and this Sunday. And you thought the hell that you raised in my life this past week would stop me from going to church this morning. But you're a lie, devil. I'm showing up to see what else. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. If, if I had some faith takers, I'd ask you to tell your neighbor right now, prepare for a miracle. If I had some believers, I'd ask you to say it a little louder. Get ready for a miracle. Get ready for God to step into your situation. Get ready for a shift. Get ready for a turn. Get ready for a manifestation. They're rushing, they're rushing, and they're thronging Jesus. Get that imagery in view as they get ready to take my seat. They're all around him, thronging him. He's headed to Jairus' house, and then out of nowhere, the Bible just comes up with this parenthetical situation. The Lord just told me to tell somebody, You'll get it on the way home. He told me to tell somebody at Aspire, that situation you're in right now, it's a parenthetical situation. Here comes the woman with the issue of blood. And you know, we all love this story. We shout about this story. But we forgot about who she was messing up. We never talk about who she messed up. We just talk about her situation. And she had a situation. We ain't got time to go through it all. But but you know what the Bible says. She had an issue of blood. And where I come from, the preachers say, for 12 long years. Chronic hemorrhaging. Bleeding out. And, and we love to embellish that story. So she went from doctor to doctor. Y'all know we know how to tell that story. She spent all her money. We like to build the tension in that story. Nobody could help her. Nobody could fix her. Y'all know how we do. She had that issue of blood. And she made up in her mind uh, when she heard that there was a stranger in the city and he's healing. She made up in her mind, if I can just get to Jesus. Did y'all hear what I said? 
if I can just get to Jesus. And the Bible says, <laughs> we tell the story, she pressed away. Back in the day, I ain't got time to do all that. I, I had a bumping in everybody trying to get to Jesus. One step forward, two steps backward, you know. But we ain't got time to do that. Guess what the Bible says? She came behind him. <laughs> See, some people have too much pride to get a deliverance. I wish I could preach this morning. If it ain't out front and it ain't in the lights, it must not be my deliverance. Uh, honey, you got the wrong mindset. Anyway, you bless me. I don't need an audience. All I need is to get to Jesus. I don't need a platform. I don't even need a microphone. Microphone. Just get me in the presence of Jesus. She came from behind. Touched the border of his garment. And the Bible says immediately her issue of blood starts. But here's the power in that text. The Bible says, and Jesus said, Am I in a Bible church? Jesus said, what? See, see, you got a lot of folk bumping, but ain't everybody touching. The disciples thought that Jesus had lost his mind. Don't you see all of these people enthroned around you? What do you mean who touched me? Like I said, a whole lot of people are bumping, but ain't but a few touching. Somebody touch me. How do you know somebody touched you? He said, I felt virtue. Go out of my body. Somebody needs to touch Jesus until he touches them back. Somebody needs to have that kind of faith. Lift your hands to heaven real quick and say, touch me, Lord. You said that because I asked you to say it. Now I need about 10 people who came to church today in need of a touch that will actually raise their hands and say it from the pit of their belly. Touch me, Lord. Getting ready to close. So here they are. She touched Jesus, went back into the crowd, but Jesus had stopped. He wasn't going forward. He wasn't going backward. He said, I want to know who touched me. And he would not move. <laughs> he would not move until this woman came out from the background where she was and where she had snuck in her blessing and she had to openly testify. Oh, y'all don't hear me this day. Some people don't know it, but you've held yourself back from your next miracle because you've been secretive about your last miracle. Nobody's gonna walk with me today. God, God, God has some stuff on hold from, from many of us just because we failed to testify. 
about what he has already done. And God says, when I do something in your life, you can't pay for it with money, but you do owe me the obligation of praise. And you are obligated to open up your mouth and let everybody know what I did for you. He stopped. And while he stopped, as I prepared to close, while he was making inquiry, while the scripture says, while he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house with bad news. Jairus, the situation has shifted. It's gone from bad to worse. When you made your first inquiry to Jesus, the little girl had a little hope because there was still life. But they made the solemn pronouncement to him and they said, thy daughter is dead. What do you do when it's dead? When the life is gone, when there is no more palpable hope. What do you do? When all of the naysayers and prognosticators whisper in your ear, when your own mindset tells you, when human logic tells you it's dead, don't trouble the master any longer. Leave him alone. Send him on to the next agenda. But I'm so glad that the Bible says when Jesus heard it. <laughs> if you can just get your situation into the ear of Jesus, if you can take that useless dilemma, if you can take that turmoil in which the, 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 the issues of life have sucked all the oxygen out of the air if you can have the audacity to open up your mouth and put it in the ear of Jesus. If you can have the strength to know how to fall down on your knees and sometimes on your face and tell God about your useless, hopeless, dead situation. If you can open up your mouth and say, hey God, it's me. I'm still here. I'm still out here. They said my daughter is dead. Jesus spoke to Jairus and said, fear not. I'm closing now. I'm closing now. I'm closing my Bible. I'm headed to my seat. I finished my mission for today. And I don't know who came to aspire this morning. I don't know what brought you here. I don't know what your aspiration is today. Maybe you came to aspire with vast aspirations. And the devil has told you that it is over, but I'm standing in the pulpit this morning to tell everybody in this room, it ain't over till Jesus speaks. It's not over until he opens up his mouth. It's not over.
until you hear him echo in your ear and I hear him telling everybody in this room fear not oh I wish I had some help here fear not can I be myself today fear not why you hollering preacher sometimes you got to wake up to dead fear not only believe I ain't got time to be afraid devil I ain't got time for you to give me all the gory details I know that it's bad I know that it's hopeless I know that the life is gone but I don't just serve a God of the living he's the God of the dead son of man can these bones live Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I get about 20 worshipers that have just helped me worship God? As I get ready to leave this platform. Can I get about 20 worshipers? Can I act like I'm at home for a minute? Can I preach like I preach? In Indianapolis. Can I preach like I preach in Detroit? Can I preach like I preach yesterday? Can I preach like I preach when I'm at home? Can I just tell somebody it ain't over yet? It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth. Speak over your situation. Let me hear you shout out and say it ain't over yet. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor. Hey neighbor. It ain't over yet. God got the last say. God got one more move. Weeping may endure for night, but joy. It ain't over yet. That is a prophetic word for somebody in this house. It ain't over yet. Who was Bishop talking to this morning? My God, what a word from heaven. Somebody ought to give God some praise in this place right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give God some worship. Your situation is changing right now. God is at work. God, what a message.